now we are in a series called Resolve. Everyone say Resolve. Resolve. Say Resolve like you're resolving. Resolve. Resolve. I resolve. What are we resolving in the new year? Well, we are resolving in the new year still, week five. Next week's going to be the last, the last one of this six-part series. I was rudely interrupted by God last week. Um, anyway, I'll talk to him later about that. But um, we have been resolving to follow something that we have dubbed as the ancient paths. The ancient paths, the tried, the true, the tested ways of God. Um, some of us like to try the new paths. We like to try our own way. But just by bush bashing, where you try to carve out our own path, you can get injured along the way. And let me tell you, the truth is, but God wants us, just like he wanted ancient Israel, to follow the ancient paths, to follow his, his paths. And so ancient Israel, they rejected God's paths, and they went their own way, they carved out their own way, rejecting the ways of God. And then God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah, and he called them back, come back, come back to my paths. And this has been our key scripture throughout the series. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. I love this. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Just take a stop. Just consider your life and where it is now, having carved out your own path versus where it could be if you went in my ways. God causes us to take stock sometimes, to consider at the crossroads, maybe the beginning of the year as you're heading into the new year, to consider Stop and look around and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. Who knows that we need rest for our souls? The world needs rest for its souls. And we don't find rest for our souls by living our own way. The answer, like Beth was saying, is it's not found out there because she had to look out there and she was broken on the inside. But it wasn't until she came and re-surrender her life back to God and follow God's paths that she was made whole and she was healed. And so God wants rest for your souls. So we've been talking about some of the ancient paths. On the first week, we spoke about the ancient path of repentance and how life-giving that word repentance is. And we spoke about the ancient path of worship, the ancient path of the gathering. It's been around for thousands of years and even COVID can't stop us from gathering together it is an ancient practice that we should be in the habit of doing and prioritizing in our lives because that's how jesus has carved out a path for us the ancient path of the holy spirit of hunger for the word of god and now what i want to have a look at tonight and next week it's a combo sort of deal message is three ancient paths that jesus spoke about that he just assumed that if you're a follower of jesus or jewish at that time that you will be practicing as a Jew or as a Christian now. Three ancient paths that he just assumed. It's a little bit like, it's assumed that if you live in Western Australia, that of course, you go for the eagles. <laughs> am I right? Am I right? Hey, hey, can I hear a man here? Have we got any doctors fans here? All right, go to Victoria. No. <laughs> it's also assumed that if you're Australian, then you love Vegemite on your toast. Any Vegemite fans out there? Lift your hands, thank you Lord. Amen. Who prefers Promite? Any Promite fans? Oh, hello. Wow. Marmite? Okay, security. Just need it. Thank you. Just, yeah, just that way. Exit. <laughs> you know, Jesus just made, he just assumed, just like the assumptions that we naturally have, that these three ancient paths would be followed by and practiced by people. And these are summed up in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 to 18, 
I'm not going to read out the whole reference, but can you have a look at that later? Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 2 to 18. But essentially, the three can be summed up into three whens. Like, just, he just assumed, like, when you, and they are when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Jesus assumed that the followers of Jesus would be give, and that they would pray, and that they would fast. Fast, Fasting, one of those ancient things that were a little bit detached from in the modern times, but we're going to be having a look at that. And next week, we're going to be having a look at fasting. This morning, tonight, I'm going to be talking about giving and, and praying. Um, but next week, we're going to be having a look at fasting. Why? Because we are going to be going into three weeks of prayer and fasting in the lead up to our conference. I didn't say pray and feasting, just these people are getting very excited. Um, but I'm, I'm actually really excited because in the, in the lead up to our Oceans Conference, which is on in March, which we would love all of us to be a part of, um, we're going to be having three weeks of prayer and fasting and it's going to culminate on the final Sunday before conference where we're going to be having an anointing service in Albany and in Perth and everyone will be given the opportunity to be prayed for. And I, I just believe that God is going to give us great victory. That we're going to see people healed, we're going to see people delivered, that we're going to see miracles and God outwork things in your life that are seemingly impossible uh, through prayer and fasting. So we're going to be having a look at that in more detail next week. But firstly, I wanted to encourage us just around the ancient path of giving or tithing mainly for the next couple of minutes. And then I'm going to be talking about five ways to boost your prayer power. Um, and so giving, tithing. What is tithing? By the way, if you're not a part of Ocean's Church family, this isn't for you. You're off. You're off scot-free. You can relax. <laughs> Excellent. You can take your hand off your wallet. You're all good. Just relax and breathe out. But if you are part of Ocean's Church, this is for you. This is your home, this is your family. And so the principle of tithing is this, that you give 10%, your first 10% of your income back to God. See, this is, this is the idea, is that everything we have has been given to us by God. The very breath we have, the very life we Did you ask to be born? I didn't, and thank you, Lord, I'm here. We're, we're each being given the strength to work, the strength to make an income. Everything that we have in life is a gift given to us by God. And, and King David, when he dedicated the temple that he built, he said, God, even the materials that we built the temple with have been given to us by you. And so it, it all just goes back to you. We're, we're just privileged that we get to be just a part of what you're doing. And so tithing is us giving back what actually is all God's, 10%. It's a principle, Old Testament law, New Testament principle that we can live by. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. It says this, honour the Lord, honour the Lord, honour the Lord by giving him the first, not the leftovers, the first part of all your income. And then his promise is he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. Who wants some more barley in their pantry? <laughs> rice. Amen. More rice. He will overflow your vats with rice. Amen. So essentially, God's saying that if you honor him with the first part of the income, he'll bless the rest. It's the principle of firsts. It's a biblical principle of, of firsts. What it is, is whatever you want God to bless, you've got to put him first in. Yeah. Not second. Yeah. If you want God to bless your relationships, you've got to put him first yeah. in your relationship. Some people think, thank you, God, you blessed me with this relationship. I'll take it from here now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna demote you to second because I'm just kind of in charge now. Thanks for the blessing, catches. 
And it doesn't work. But whatever area of your life you want to say God's blessing in, you've got to put him first in. And let me tell you, there's nothing more that tests the heart than what we do with what's in our hip pocket. If you want to know whether you're putting God first in your life, a real tangible evidence to yourself, not what I can think of you, not what I'm, I'm this, is, this is not to do with me, this is to do with you and God, well, hands off, ooh. Um, but this is, this is God's invitation. Do you know, I love tithing. I, I actually delight in tithing. Since I've been 17 or 18 years old, I started to earn income. I had taken great joy in that I get to do something measurable and tangible that costs me. It costs me. I'm like, that's a bit I could do with that 10%. But I get to go, God, I want to honor you. I want to put you first, Lord, and, and I give this to you. Deuteronomy 14, verse 23, it says this. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. It's a principle that keeps us. It keeps us grounded. That's right. You are first. God doesn't need, now, just to be clear, God doesn't need our money. He, he does not need your money. He owns it all. But what he desires for, what he longs for, is our hearts. That's what he's after. And, and, you know, the great idol or the great thing that can just sneak up all the time is money, is our finance, is replacing easily God as number one in our life. It, it helps us keep Jesus-centered rather than self-centered. He wants our hearts and he wants us to trust him. So tithing is, is three things. One, it's an expression of gratitude for the past. Thank you, Lord. As I look back and I see the past that you blessed, thank you, Lord, for the thank you for what you've taken me through. It's an expression. Thank you, God. You, you've got me here. You got me that job. You got me through study. When I prayed and I cried out, you got me through it. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful for where I am now. It's also a declaration of priority in the present. It's an expression of gratitude for the past, and it's also a declaration of priority for the present. Saying, God, you are my priority. Not just by lip service. Yeah. yeah, God, you're number one. Oh, yes, I wave my hands. But not in that part of my life. But it's a tangible thing going, gee, you are. My... Let me tell you, when your friends who aren't Christian, they say, you give 10% of your income to God. It's like, whoa, that's a pretty big measurable priority in your life. It's a declaration of priority in the present. And what it is also is a statement of faith for the future. It's saying, God, you've taken me through the past. You, you've taken me to this point now. And you know what? Rather than holding on to that 10%, I'm going to hold on to you, God. I'm going to trust in you. I could do with the 10%, but I, I'm, I'm, as, as a measurable way, I'm putting my trust in you. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know how it's going to work out. But let me tell you when, you, when you trust God and you put your faith in God, God responds to our faith. Faith is the place where you see miraculous provision in your life. I can't tell you how many times where Jess and I are like, we could do with that 10%. Or you get a big tax return and you're going, Woo, we could do with that few grand or whatever it might be. When we've taken that, that it, 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 it costs you something, but it's something purifying about it. Let me tell you, it, tithing is an adventure. You're going to see the supernatural provision of God in your life. And you look back at your bank statements and think, it just does not compute. It doesn't add up. Somehow, it, it, it's added up to be more than I could have earned and it's because you invite the blessing of God by tithing and so the question is where should you tithe some people think that you should give a portion of your tithe to other organisations and other 
things, maybe I'll save it up for someone in need. And that's all good, but that's called charity. That's not called tithing. Tithing is actually giving the full 10% of your income to the storehouse. Malachi 3.10. It says, bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. And Jesus says, or God says, test me in this, says the Lord all powerful. I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. So the temple or the storehouse is, is the place, is the body, the family, the church where, where you meet. It's a part of your family. And so what I want to do and Jess want to do, we just want to thank you so much for your tithing, for your giving. Those at Core Ocean Church Home, we just want to thank you. Um, and the good news is we had a board meeting on Wednesday night and let me tell you, we're strong. And if we're strong as a church, even Jesus had people. He had a treasurer. Um, he did betray him. Um, but Jesus had a treasurer and people giving and supporting. Jesus needed cash flow in order for him to even do what he was doing. He didn't need to heal the sick, but he needed to facilitate his activities and things. And, and, and if we want to reach the world, we want to, be, we want to see the provision of heaven flow into our church and out into the world so we can make a difference. Yeah. And can I just encourage you at the beginning of the year, if you call this church home, would you consider starting to tithe now? Not for me. I'm not going to check. I have no idea. Well, I know that all of our leaders do, but I have no idea about whether you do or not, but it's between you and God. But can I encourage you at the beginning of the year to adopt tithing into your lifestyle? You've got to see the miraculous hand of God. It is an ancient path, not one that I've made up, but it's an ancient practice. It's an ancient path, and in doing so, you're going to find rest for your souls. That's the giving part all over. Let's just all breathe. Okay, stopped. Thank you, Lord. All right. <laughs> Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. When you pray. Now I'm going to share with us five ways to boost your prayer power. Who wants to boost their prayer power in this place? It's not nice when you feel powerless, is it? You know, I had a V8 Kingswood U, U308 kilowatt. Mate, it was powerful. Oh, mate, it was just... Just by a little tap of the accelerator, don't tell anyone, but on the passing lane, just bang. Lower Denmark Road, whoo. It was a powerful thing. But you know what, it had, it had a carburetor. It had a carburetor, and a carburetor is, is a part of the engine that gives a proper fuel to air ratio for a combustion engine. And sometimes the carb got a bit clogged and didn't quite, and so there's a few times, precarious sort of moments where I, I put my pedal to the metal, Maybe halfway down, maybe all the way, I don't know. Um, I'll put my foot down and the power would just cut out. I might be crossing a highway, trying to pass someone or cutting in front um, of someone and, uh, and the power would cut out and I'd just freak out. And, and this is kind of how we can be in our prayer life sometimes. We're trying to pray, you're like, where's the power? God, I need, to, I need the power behind my prayer. And so this is five points to help to boost your prayer power. Um, first of all, I just want to say that Jesus actually called his church, this house, he said, he said my house will be a house of coffee. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't. Actually, he did. He did, um, he did didn't he, Jem? That's right. <laughs> Jem's like, amen! <laughs> Jem. Um, you went to Bible college, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> he said, my house will be a house of music. No, he didn't. He said, my house will be a house of prayer. A house of prayer where, where the people gathered together, pull down heaven down to earth. What, what the heart of God is, he wants to see heaven come to earth 
through the power of our prayer in any situation. You know, when the disciples saw Jesus praying, or they saw the powerful, miraculous works that Jesus was doing, they saw him healing the sick, they saw, they saw him raising people from the dead, they saw him feeding the 5,000 with a few loaves and fish, and they started to, to deduce the secret to his power is his prayer life. And so they came to Jesus, they're like, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray like you do? And so Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer. But the crux of the Lord's Prayer comes down to, probably the, the crux of it comes down to a few key words where he said, Father, God in heaven, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, through our prayer, Jesus has given us the power to, to rip or, or, or to call down heaven down to earth. Let your will be done. This word will is said to be clinical. What's the point of praying if God's, God's will is going to be done anyway? What's the point of praying? Lord, just let your will happen in my, the rest of my life. Amen. It's pretty much a very passive sort of prayer. But as I began to look deeper into it, I began to realize that it's actually the opposite is the case. See, this word will is one of my favorite Greek words. You've probably heard, heard me talk about it a few times. But this Greek word will in the Greek is you say, you say it in the Greek the Greek word for will is thelema. Everyone say thelema. Thelema. And thelema is, is a living word. When I read the definition through Helps Word Studies, it's literally the preferred will of God. It's the desire of God for any situation that can be accepted or rejected by man. There's, it's a much more vivid, life-giving, relational approach and understanding of the name will. So when we pray, essentially what Jesus is saying is for any situation, it's our prayers that release what God desires to happen in every situation. So God has a desire, but in his sovereignty, he's chosen, God is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he's chosen. I don't know why he's left it up to us. That it's actually our prayers that release the will of God into any situation. So God's desire, the Bible says, God's preferred outcome, God longs that not one should perish. God does not want your friends. He doesn't want uh, your family. He doesn't want people in, in the city of Perth or in Albany. He, he's not willing that any should perish. And so what God invites us to do is to catch his heart and go, God, I'm praying confidently that this is your will. And, I, and I'm praying that my friends are going to be saved. Let me tell you, they will be. They will be saved as you pray the will of God into the situation. It will happen. And so... We've actually been given, it's, it's not a passive prayer, this is opposite. So, wow, we've been given unbelievable power to see the will of God in any situation. So what's the will of God? Well, you can read it in the Word. You can, you can discover the heart of God, how He breaks for the needy. He longs for those that are broken to come back to Him. He longs for the, the poor to be, to, be, to be made rich, well, in the eyes of with the blessings of God. He longs to see those in poverty lifted up and empowered. God longs to see people come to know Him. And we can with confidence pray God's will intervene. And so, five ways that we can boost our prayer power. And the first way is through passionate prayer. Passionate prayer. Everyone say passionate prayer. Say it passionately. Passionate prayer. <laughs> All these start with, by the way, P's, five P's, like a true Pentecostal. Um, so number one, five ways to boost your prayer power is through passionate prayer. See, passion is the opposite of indifference. 
Compassion literally means to suffer with. Like God had compassion on us. It literally means you suffer with someone. You care about them so deeply. They're hurt. <clears throat> they're hurt. Excuse me. Their hurt becomes your hurt. But you know, sometimes we don't pray because we don't care enough. I'll say it about myself. We can become desensitized to the needs of those around us. We start to go, oh, yeah, my friends will probably never come to know God. <laughs> Oops. It's like, well, hold on. How did that? No, I'm not going to accept it. I'm, I'm going to care about my friends. I'm going to care about my family. I'm going to care about the world. A part of the reason we struggle to care sometimes is because it actually costs us something. It costs us emotional energy. It can be painful sometimes. And we see what's going on in the world. But you know what? Jesus wants us to actually suffer with people. Yeah. Jesus suffered for us, with us. He said, therefore, fulfill the law of Christ, which is love, by bearing one another's burdens. And so the first, the first part, the top button to prayer is to actually to care, really. It's not to be indifferent, but to pray, pray out of compassion. The Bible says first that Jesus will be filled with compassion and then he would heal the sick. It's what came first. Was Jesus was moved. It's literally down here. There's, there's, this, there's this longing. There's this, this painful knot in his stomach. And then out of that place of deep care and compassion, then the miraculous power of God would be released. James chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. It says, The earnest prayer. The passionate prayer, opposite to indifference. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, yet when he prayed earnestly that no run would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down the rain and the earth began to yield its crops. I love that. I think Elijah accidentally prayed for Perth, that there would be no rain. And uh, it's like, when's the rain? It's come actually today. So there you go. But I love the fact that Elijah, it points out that Elijah was human like us. Sometimes we think, oh, Elijah the prophet. Whoa, good. I'm not like him. He could do the praying. I'll leave it to him. But then the Bible, hold on. He's as human like we were. Elijah had his freak out moments, giving into the fear of man. He ran away from Queen Jezebel. He was weak in his body at times. He was weak like we are. Yeah, even... If Elijah can pray and see incredible results, so can we. When we earnestly pray, when we seek God, we can see the power of God released in whatever we go through. And so Leonard, Leonard Ravenhill was one of my favourite pastors. He's, he, he died in about the early 90s, but he's got some pretty confronting quotes. Here are a few quotes. You might have heard them before. He says, I can give you one simple reason why we don't have revival. It's because we're content to live without it. If you're thinking of revival at your church, oh yes, Lord! Without any inconvenience, forget it. Mm. Revival costs. Yeah. It costs. It costs a lot. If you want to see the power of God move in your life, it, it will cost you. Mm. It'll cost us something. But God is looking for those that are passionate, that care, that catch, that are moved by what moves. God, what does your heart break for? Break my heart. For what breaks, what breaks your heart. And then he goes on to say, he says, In an old town in Ireland, 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 they'll show you with reverence a place where four young men met night after night after night praying for revival. And then in another place in Wales, 
There's a place in the hills where three or four young men, only 18 or 19 years old, met and prayed night after night. They wouldn't let God go. They wouldn't take no for an answer. As far as humanly possible, they prayed a revival into birth. They got the heart of God. They knew God's will and His desire. And they, they tore and they pulled heaven down to earth. They wouldn't let up. They wouldn't give up. No, we're not going to be indifferent. Oh, we tried once. We prayed that once. It didn't work. Oh, well, anyway, we'll just get along with our lives then, won't we? No. What, what God wants us to do is to, is, is to turn, repent from our indifference. Repent, turn from our indifference and go, God. You know, Jesus was the opposite to indifferent. God, Jesus stepped into our mess and he loved us so much that he died on the cross for us. So great was his love. And he invites us to invest our whole selves into seeing other people come to know him as well. It takes energy. So we, as far as us as a church, we're not standing by idly while the world goes to hell. We're going to be a praying church, praying passionate prayers. And so we actually have Hour of Power right here every Tuesday morning. Right here. We have Hour of Power, 6 to 7 a.m. Um, and in Albany, we've actually started Hour of Power too, for two weeks. Phenomenal. Amazing. Can I tell you that every Tuesday morning, we pray for the church. We pray for a move of God. And it's phenomenal. Last week, we had 26 people all, all together praying in Albany and Perth combined. We actually live streamed the prayer on our, a Facebook group called um, Hour of Power. Um, which is what it was called, and people can join us online. But can I tell you what? That was four young men. What about four, eight, 16, 24 young men and women getting together, praying, not letting up, and not, not letting no be an answer to us? And so passionate prayer is the first. The others won't go on as long as this. You're like looking at your watch. Go. The first thing is passionate prayer if you're going to boost your prayer power. The second thing is persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. So often we too easily just give up, don't we? It's a bit like the internet. And the internet, you look at something, if the internet's too slow, you're like, oh, it's taking more than one and a half seconds. I give up. We act like that in our prayer life sometimes. So like, Lord, would you help us? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dan. Appreciate the laugh. Um, <laughs> we're like, I give up. I prayed once. It didn't work. And we just give up and we move on. But what God wants us to be is, is not to let up, but be persistent in our prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray unceasingly. And that, that actually word description gives, gives us an idea of an army that goes out for battle. And even if it's pushed back or defeated, then what it does, it, it regroups and it goes again. And then it regroups again and it goes again and again and it doesn't let up. God wants us to be persistent in our prayer. Just like the parable of, of the persistent widow. Imagine being called the persistent widow. Luke chapter 18 verse 1 to 8 gives the account of a widow that wanted justice. And she went to the place she thought she'd find it. She went to the local judge and she began to hound him. He didn't like her. He didn't want her. I don't know why, but he's just like, I don't want to listen to you right now. But it's because of her persistence that he finally gave in and he gave her justice that she was seeking for. And so Jesus, the reason why he shared that parable was the thought is that if this evil judge gave her justice, even though he didn't really want to, how much more would a loving father want to hear 
and to answer your prayers as we persistently come to Him. I remember a time when, when Jess and I were praying for a group of five girls in Albany. It was about 10 years ago. And there were a bunch of five girls that, I don't know, God just broke our hearts for. And, and it was in the lead up to summer camp for youth at that time. And, and so Jess and I, it was, just, it was just a God thing, night after night for about an hour, every night. I don't know how, for a long, for a couple of weeks, we were just praying, God, would you move? And then one night, there was a, a women's night, a women's night, and these girls were there. And at the end of the night, while, while we were praying that night, we, we were told, and it got back to us, that these girls at the front, crying, gave their lives. And it was like, and then that led into camp, and we just saw an outpouring of the power of God, like so close that the most revival atmosphere, the most revival-like atmosphere we've ever been a part of. Phenomenal. The power of God has hit that place. And the glory doesn't go to us. God did what we could never do, but it taught me persistent prayer works. If you want to see the power of God released in your life, don't just give it one crap. Just be persistent in your prayer like Elijah who sent his servant to go and look at the rain. When he's praying for the rains to come, he sent his servant once. The servant came back says, nah, didn't see the rain, Elijah. Says, Can I go home now? <laughs> nah, go and have a look again. So we went have a look again. Came back, still no rain. Prophet Elijah, can I go now? <laughs> and he sent him back, not six times, but finally sent him the seventh time until the seventh time, finally, he saw a rain cloud on the horizon, the size of a fist, and he came back and told Elijah, the cloud has come. And Elijah's like, I knew it. I knew it would. Who knows how many more times Elijah would have sent the servant back? <laughs> 177 times. <laughs> Again. Okay. Let's, let's, let's be persistent. Let's be passionate. Let's be persistent. Let's be also precise in our prayer. Precise. It starts with a P, but I would like to say specific. Or Pacific. <laughs> if you pray Pacific prayers. <laughs> no, not grammar. Pray Pacific prayers. Specific prayers get specific results. Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. He's like, we're like, God, you didn't help me. God's like, you prayed such a general prayer. I literally would have had to give it you like everything. Lord, just give me everything I need. I was like, pray more specifically, specifically, so that when I give you the answer, you can know that it was me and you can fall in love with me all over again because God longs to demonstrate that He cares for you and that He longs to show how much He loves you. Specific prayer gets specific results. Just the other day, um, Oscar lost his shoes for a day and a half. <laughs> and all the parents, <laughs> you know what it's like. Shoes. Anyway, for a day and a half, he couldn't find his shoes anywhere. And so I pulled him into my room. I was like, all right, come on. Got it slightly agitated. Come in. Pray about it. All right. Dear Lord God, I pray you better help us to find these shoes. Come out, shoes. In Jesus' name, amen. So he walked out the door, literally, as he, as he disappeared. Instantly, he said, Dad, I found my shoes! Like in a bag, in a corner under here. And I was like, there you go. There you go, Oscar. Remember that one. 
And then the other day again, Jess could not find her wallet anywhere. She needed to go shopping, half an hour looking everywhere. She went back to church and couldn't find it. Again, so I'm like, all right, let's pray. And so we're like, Lord, I pray that help us find the keys. The, the specific prayers, we can say keys, we said wallet. The wallet in Jesus' name, amen. And it's not that spiritual. But she walked out of the door, out of the sliding door, walked to the car, opened the boot, had a look, and underneath this thing, she found them instantly. It's like, come on. Another thing is, I'm just going to tell you just a few examples. I also remember a time where I, I wrecked my guitar because I, I worshipped in my bed one night when Jess and I were really crying out to God. I put my guitar next to me, and that night I went to the toilet and crunched my guitar. It's like, ah. <laughs> and so I started to pray specifically. <laughs> so, Lord, Lord I, I just, I don't know if you can. <laughs> I don't know if you can, God, but, but I pray for a, a Mayton cutaway acoustic electric guitar in a case. Yeah. So anyway, there's a guy from our church who heard that I wrecked my guitar, and he pulled in a number of blokes that we met together every now and then, and they all paid, and they went out and got me a guitar. I didn't tell them at all what type I wanted, and, that, and one night they presented proudly the guitar to me, and what was it? It was a Mayton cutaway electric acoustic guitar in a beautiful case. And the glory goes to God. Come on. Let's give God a hand. He's the one. This is, this is specific, precise prayers get precise results. By the way, this man, he, he actually died of cancer not long after that. And there's one of his, his last, he's got a phenomenal legacy in his life. Where he, his life has turned around. He went after God. His four sons were baptized together at the beach one day. And I tell you, you make the most of every day that you've got. You never know when your last day will come. But let's have a life worth other people following. Precise prayers, passionate prayers, persistent prayers, precise prayers. You follow? The other one is the promises. Pray the promises. Promises prayer. It's not that great grammar, is it? But you know what? If you want to, if you want to boost your prayer life, what, what we need to do is to go to the Scriptures and hunt and dig out the promises in the Word of God. So there's nothing that has more authority than the promises of God, the Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God says, my Word will remain forever. And so rather, some, our prayers are good, but sometimes when you don't feel like they're, they're, oh, they're not quite cutting it, what you do is you dig for the Word of God. You find a promise that relates to your situation and you begin to prophesy and, and to preach at your situation and proclaim the power of the Word of God and you'll see the power of God release. God created the world with His Word. You see, the Bible says that we've got the power of life and death in our tongue. And so sometimes what we do, there's, there's one level of prayer where you say, help me God. Maybe you're tired at the end of the week. You're a mum and you've got your kids and you've got everything sorted and, and, and everything's out of control, man, and you're tired and, and now you've got to prepare dinner and clean up or whatever. Or maybe you're single dad, you're, you're dad at home and you're doing that as well. And you get to the end of your rope. Or maybe you're working at the end of the week and you need to create a solution for something, but you're tired. Maybe you're at school, you need to do an assignment, whatever it might be, and, you, and you're just being drained out of strength. There's one prayer you can pray, and that's like, God, give me strength. Give me strength. And that's good. Sometimes it's not faith-filled. It's more like a wind. Give me strength. Nah, give me strength. Um, but what God says, not pray the promises of God. So start to go, God, I thank you. 
And I declare the promise that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then you see, as you begin to declare that, that faith rises up in your heart and faith begins to produce something in us that is beyond us. And you see the supernatural power of God in your situation. Pray the promises. And then finally, public prayer. Um, Partnership prayer, someone suggested this morning. I thought that was better. Public prayer, not like, look at me, look at me. Not that, but but I I mean praying together in agreement. I had to find another P word. But public prayer or praying in agreement. If you want to boost your prayer life, pull someone in and pray with them in agreement. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19 to 20, He said, Also I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. You know, Jess and I so many times are praying for things individually, about certain situations and things, but we, we time after time after time, we've seen incredible answers to prayer miraculous answer to prayer when we finally go, all right, let's pray together about this. We see unbelievable breakthrough, the impossible happen. When we finally decide, let's pray together in agreement, you'll see unbelievable breakthrough in your life, which is why we have our power here, which is why we actually have after the service, we have a prayer ministry team. After every Sunday, we have people up here that would love to pray with you about anything. So when you come to church, you can know that you're invited to come up the front at the end of the service, sometimes we do it during the service, but at the end of the service, there's people here that have been trained and equipped that we trust that want to pray with you to see the impossible happen in your life, to see you healed. If you if you have friends out there that need prayer, maybe they've never been to come to come to church. You can pray for them, absolutely. Please do it. But also just so you know, receive prayer at the end of the service. This is for you. And so next week we're going to be talking about fasting, but I want to encourage us to pray passionately, persistently, precisely, pray the promises and pray in agreement together. This is the ancient paths that God has invited us to go on. And so why don't we all stand up together tonight? Why don't you just close your eyes just for these moments? Just to go back to the giving encouragement around tithing, just be- between you and God. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands or anything, but I just really sense that there could be here some people maybe watching or listening, but that I've got to say, now, now's the time. Now's the time. If you want to see the miraculous provision, would you put me first? Would you put me first in your life? And bring, bring it to the storehouse. And also I pray for those that are here, that are watching online. Lord God, I thank you that as they take that step of faith, Lord, I just release provision and the miraculous power of your provision in their lives. And those that are, Lord Jesus, those that are tithing, Lord God, I thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for a, a blessing on them, Lord, that you meet every need that they have, Jesus. Lord, you provide jobs, you provide work. Lord God, that you would, you would elevate people in their workplaces, Lord. And Lord, I do pray, by the way, for anyone here, Lord, that even that isn't tithing, Lord, I thank you for your grace upon them, Lord God, and that in this season, Lord, that you give us grace, you give us mercy, Lord, and I thank you, Jesus, that you are our provider, Lord, and so I thank you that you make a way where there is no way, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, just tonight, I just have a sense that 
the Holy Spirit might have been highlighting to us here that He's calling us from indifference to turn and to choose to be passionate, to say, God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. Lord Jesus, break my heart. Lord, I forget the brokenness in my life. You can go along in life and realise and, and, and grow into healing and wholeness and we can so easily just forget the brokenness from which we've come from. But Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight, Lord God, and we turn, Lord God. We turn away, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord God. We turn from our indifference, Lord God. But now, Lord God, we turn. Lord, we say, would you break our hearts for what breaks your heart, Lord God. Lord, would you rescue us from our indifference and our complacency, Lord. But will we be a people, Lord, a house of prayer, Lord God. But we pray passionately, Lord God. But we cry out to you to see a move of God, Lord. When we cry out for the broken. We cry out for those that don't know you, Lord God. Lord Jesus, break our hearts what breaks yours. Let us see a move of God. Let us see this place revive, Lord. Let us see the love of Jesus, the wholeness and the healing, Lord. The salvation that only you can bring, Lord Jesus, into this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Why don't you just lift your hands up to God right now. And look at us release a fresh wave of passion. A fresh wave, Lord God, an anointing of prayer, an anointing, Lord God, and I just believe and I prophesy a new wave, I prophesy a new wave of the miraculous, a new release in this season of the miraculous. And we expect it, Lord. We look forward to it, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Why don't we just sing together just for a few moments and allow God to move in our hearts. Thank you, Lord.